Hello, welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented by Melee Stats. I'm your host, Gimme That Wheat, and uh, we are here with uh, you know a legend, someone who's put their time in year after year after year, and is uh, you know finally looking to smell the roses. And I'm, of course, talking about my good friend Edwin Budding. Hello, Edwin. How are you doing, Edwin? I'm doing pretty well. Uh... Feels like a lot has happened in the broader of mm. the esports industry that somehow trickled down to Smash. So we're obligated to talk about it and give our opinions on it as it pertains to us. But we had some exciting regionals happen in recent memory. We had maybe even a major, and we have a really great guest joining us tonight, Fat Goku. I'm uh, I'm so glad to have you on the show. I do have to mention though that. You were supposed to appear on our previous episode, <laughs> and I gotta mention, you know, just just gonna keep it a hundred with you. Um, the announcement of our new makeup guest after you bailed was actually infinitely more popular than our original announcement for oh you. Oh my god! Which I wow. thought was really funny. Dude, I just thought it was hilarious. How I was like, we have Fat Goku, yeah. All right, Fat Goku's <laughs> not here. We have Magi. Wow. Yeah. Say- <laughs> Fat Goku incident, as it'll be known in the history books of Melee. Um, the oh book my. of Melee 2, of course. <laughs> uh, make sure to mention it. It is because of me. I, I did text him, message him. Uh, I said, hey, are you free this weekend? And I meant to say <laughs> this Wednesday. <laughs> now, are we all able to can have uh, perfect control of our words? No, I don't think so. But I will fall on my sword for this one. Uh, but yeah, we, we we had a fun episode of it last week where we uh, were very hopeful about the world of uh, esports sponsors. We went into depth about how CLG picking up uh, Cody and Magi, what it meant for the scene, and and you know what was going to happen from there. Now, of course, we have to uh, have a conversation a little later about what happened since our last episode, but. Uh, Let's shift our focus to this uh, this very fun guest we have right now. So, Steven, Fat Goku, you are awesome. here. Um, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. Uh, maybe esports as a whole currently <laughs> aren't doing great. But I have nothing to do with any of that. So, like, I'm chilling. I'm doing <laughs> You so say happy. that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the collapse of the esports industry can be linked to your retirement post recently true it's it's possible like maybe clg saw that i was retiring and was like dude we're never gonna have clg fat goku is this even worth it anymore like let's just let's just sell the company drop all the players nrgs and 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 lcs now like fuck it no fat goku not worth it at least that's my theory yeah well We'll never know for sure, but um, yeah, <laughs> let, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your retirement. So I think it was a couple of weeks ago, before major upset, you posted a retirement tweet. I know that um, in the Smash scene, we've seen a lot of these. <laughs> we've seen a lot that uh, tend to wiggle their way back into competing very soon after. But you know, of course, we've seen people who stay away. Um, what? Yeah, how did you get to the point of um, deciding to to hang it all up? I mean, so there were like two big reasons. One, I make I make zero money off melee. Like, mm-hmm. so I make such a small amount, and I think legitimately, if I made half of minimum wage, I would stay. Like, I'm not. I don't think I'm asking for a ton. You know, if me being a top fifty player 
or 51 like <laughs> could result in me making like ten thousand dollars a year guaranteed then that would be enough for me i don't need a ton of money um but it didn't and the other like more important thing was uh my heart just wasn't in it you know um when i i, I used to have dreams of like being the best player in the world or like winning genesis and i would wake up like and i would cry because one like partially because it it wasn't there yet and you know it never would be but you know one it wasn't there yet and also like it just emotionally felt so powerful to just like have that dream or whatever um and as i got older and played the game more that that dream just kind of went away and now if i think about winning genesis or whatever i'm just like yeah that'd be cool and but like the amount of work that would take is just not worth it. Um, so like, I don't know. I still love the game. Uh, I love the community. I, you know, all my friends play Melee. So I'm going to be around. You're like, you know, some people in chat might even have seen me on ranked or unranked. But like, I still play. But like, I don't want it to be my job. I don't want to play professionally. Uh, I don't want to learn like the stupid matchups anymore. Like Luigi or Samus or DK. Falcon, DK. So, so yeah, that's that's why I retired. But like, you know, I'm probably gonna go to my local after this and like hang out for a little bit because I, I have nothing better to do. Yeah, it's it's definitely you know retirement's a big word, and uh, I'm not even just talking about the number of letters that's in it. It's it's got a lot yeah. of weight to it, and and I think yeah, I think when people hear it, they they're like quick to point the finger at anyone who goes to another tournament. I know yeah. Wally, like Wally was at Collision after saying he was gonna um you know retire, and I think went to like a different thing after that. And it's you know it's it's uh did he enter? Uh, Collision he entered, and then uh, I think that was his last tournament. But yeah, I think people people try to point the finger at like you said you retired. Um, yeah. but, but it's definitely a lot broader in terms of you know what it means. Obviously, melee is such a big part of people's lives that like. If, if if you retire from the entire thing you're probably cutting out like your entire like social network basically oh but yeah like it's it's good to hear that we're still going to see you at events i hope to see you at um you know genesis or something in the future if i if i don't get to see steven ever again i think that that'd be a a, a damn shame it doesn't sound like that's happening yeah no there there are a lot of people who i'm not ultra close with like i think you two are good examples where it's like i don't message y'all every day or anything but like if I see you at Genesis, I'm definitely going to come up to you and we're going to have a good talk. And I have too many people like that in my life, in the scene, that that for me to just be like, yeah, fuck all the Edwins and the Wheats. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm never going to talk to them ever again. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Um, y'all, y'all will be seeing less of me, but, but, you know, Genesis isn't too expensive to go to for me. Um, if I'm there, I'm going to enter because why not? Maybe I'll sandbag. I won't practice for it, but I don't know. There were definitely like 98% of people on my retirement were super sweet, super supportive, super nice. And then 2% were like, is this guy actually going to retire? He's not going to retire enough for my standards. If this, if I ever see a GameCube controller this hand ever again, he he's Kalindi too. And it's like, like, what? <laughs> like, like, fuck off, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't care if you think I'm retired enough for you. <laughs> You know, I honestly think that we have not seen as much of that as it used to be. You know, all the 
people would retire all the time and, and people would go, you know, the louder you make your retirement, the the more likely you are to come back. And then, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Edwin, are you thinking who I'm thinking of who kind of bucked this trend in a major way? Uh, yeah, I, I, Big I, I, AR. yeah, I think, I think once Armada did this, everyone oh. went, <laughs> like we had a podcast. We were like, okay, when's it going to be? When's he coming back? Yeah, no, I did too. I thought Armada um, was coming back. I think that honestly him like staying super far away from melee up until like literally this year going to Genesis. Um, not, and of course not entering. Um, right. It's like a yeah, pretty pretty big thing in terms of people accepting retirements. I think that's a good thing for a community. But yeah, speaking of of uh, seeing you at events, let's talk about major upset. I got to huh. I got to see you there. Got to see you pull captain for the first time. Uh, uh-huh. Very fun to see your transition from top player to top pool captain. Um, but <laughs> dude, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't Sunse TO'd at the same time as me, and his pool finished like thirty minutes before mine. He was carrying TVs apparently. Dude, okay, I, yeah, that's <laughs> that's beyond my pay grade. I don't care how retired I am. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let, let's get into major upset, Edwin. Um, you know, we we talked about major upset on our last episode about how it's kind of like this weird major. I compared it to a Collision in terms of um, you know, normal year we we might not see major upset need to be this big, need to be this important, um, and yet the year that we have currently. Major upset and collision, both tournaments that have been around for a while for ultimate and first time running melee, kind of had to step up and be, um, you know, some of the majors that are really most important to the year so far. Um, so going into major upset, what did you, uh, what were your, what were your thoughts on this? You know, this is our first time melee event, but uh, what were you thinking, Edwin? I was mostly just interested to see the uh, dynamics in the field play out. Because, look, I I think this is going to be what a lot of big events this year are going to turn out to be. They're not going to be, like... It's not going to be, like, the era where you expect everyone, every certain type of player at the same field, right? So this is not going to be something where it's 60 top 100 players at a tournament in a convention center. It's not going to be a... uh, a grand finals featuring like the best players of a college or whatever. Right. And so it's not like dingy or whatever, but it is going to have a lot of hidden talent facing off against like 20 top hundred players, maybe five or six of them can win the event. I think you really kind of see each of the phases of the tournament stand out a little more on their own. Right. So I think at a super major, sometimes round two and top 64 tend to blend together because the, the field is so massive and the, the range of possibilities are really big. Whereas I feel like with events like Major Upset, and this is something I've been thinking about just in terms of seeing this play out through the year, you really see a level of play kind of kind of gradually increase throughout the bracket. But it creates this interesting dynamic where each of the phases of the, of the tournament stand out a little bit more. So, you know, at the at the bottom end, and I, and I just mean this relatively speaking you have really fun regional runs uh coming and top 64 <laughs> runs coming from regionally beloved players like our dear sf the melee stats intern making making top 64 at this tournament right so i think there's there's a couple kind of fun 
relatively lower stakes, but interesting storylines that that maybe most people don't follow. But if you but if you watch the event and you know the field of competitors, you know kind of this is a phase of the event where you look out for these potential people that can make a breakout. Then come top 64, you get into your regional favorites and you get into your more standard top 100 players that are competing against each other. Maybe you watch a set or two featuring someone who could win the event. And then come top eight, you kind of know what to expect. You have a group of people there that play each other all the time, whether it's at regionals or majors, and you get to see them take each other on. So I think the just the way that the tournament schedule is turning out and the way that tourney attendance is going on, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. And I, I just want to make it clear... That's not necessarily a bad thing. You you don't have to have crazy upsets and top-level competition between a top 100 player and the number one in, in a local region in round one pools or something, right? You you don't have to have something like that for an event to be exciting. You can have a lot of you can have a lot of different you can have competitors face each other for different reasons that are compelling at a, a different level of stakes than than say grand finals, right? Or, or even the same phase of the event from another super major. So I was very interested to see how this play out, and I thought it was, I thought it was a really fun viewing experience. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a transition year. Um, I don't know if we thought that that was going to be the case, uh, especially you know last year. Uh, but going into the year, I don't know if we knew just how much this is going to be kind of building the the uh, you know what the the scene is going to be like in the in the near future. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a very interesting point. And, and I guess what I want to turn it around to is, with that being said, Fat Goku, how did you feel as someone who went? You know, you, you were an attendee, you were a competitor there. Um, I don't know if you had all the same vibes as Edwin did, but, but how did this tournament feel to you as just someone who went? Um, I don't know. So it's a little weird because it, it kind of felt like a regional in terms mm-hmm. of, yeah. Like, like the venue especially felt felt very regionally where, you know, if you go to Genesis, it's this gigantic convention center, tons of booth, tons of vendors, like um, thousands of people. And this is a lot more low key. Uh, I think it had a, like 400 entrance. Is that right? Capped at 384. OK, so about so, 400 mm-hmm. um, smaller, like hotel venue. But. And and yeah, the the talent pool definitely didn't go as deep as something like a Genesis. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, um, it was really top heavy. Like, uh, you know, there was obviously no Mango, J Mook, or Cody, or, or Zane, not Cody. But like, but you know, everyone else was kind of there. Um, I don't know. It, it was it was a it was a kind of weird vibe where it it felt too big to be a regional and too stacked to be a regional but like not not quite deep enough to be a major so yeah i've submitted the term micro major which i don't know if uh, (laughs) that is catching on how about super regional no that's actually so different Yes, there's actually like Pat's House three. Like there's actually so little overlap between micro major and super regional. You don't understand. Am I getting am I getting gaslit? No, you're just getting owned. (laughs) I hate to tell you. Marketplace of ideas. But I I think um you know I agree with you on a lot of it. It was a as a hotel venue, it was one ballroom, and then uh, day two we were kind of pushed into all of one room. 
which was, as far as I know, the only way that we could actually increase the cap up to 384. Um, so I appreciate you to be able to do that because, you know, um, like I said about collision, we came off of one capped major and having another cap major, even just being able to raise the cap a little bit um, in this year is very helpful, apparently. Um, but yeah, it, it was a really interesting thing. And like you said, it had all the trappings of a normal regional. And yet what I love to see about it is it did have the top level talent, which is something we're going to need this year going forward. We're going to need, you know, your Cody's and and uh, I was going to say plop. <laughs> I don't think he's going to much. That's not in his state and even then i don't know if he's going to budget to stay but you know your your cody's your your zane was going to be there if not for his uh you know i think a little thumb blister or something like that um yeah players like that we we, and the flight yeah seemed like a cursed event overall for him but like uh it it was going to have top level talent and still did and that's what we need going forward and i'm glad to see that people are embracing what would normally be regionals right um you know ibw had this whole thing last year about like not county regionals on his ballot or saying that regionals are just to experiment. Um, and I think that what we've seen is these tournaments that wouldn't normally be considered regionals are now being attended by the likes of, you know, Cody and such. And because of that are getting bumped up to this uh, kind of nebulous thing that we don't really have a term for in the moment. Uh, maybe we did years ago, but you know, it's uh, kind of a return to that. So I will say in terms of major upset, I myself had a very good time. I think Portland is a pretty amazing city. And I do like the ability to uh, get to go to these cities. I think that one of the things with um, hotel ballrooms is that you're probably going to be able to find venues that are more willing to fit in cooler locations around. Um, <laughs> suffering from success is as the tournaments who like have to either go to like a huge city and go to their like huge convention center or be stuck with a convention center in like, you know, Worcester or something. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really did enjoy major upset, but yeah, it, it felt pretty interesting compared to some of the other stuff. And uh, we'll see going forward with battle BC and Gommel and, you know, other tournaments that, that are probably going to be a lot bigger. Um, we'll see if this is kind of like a little, um, you know, step, to to something bigger or if it's going to be the new normal um but before we uh move on to any other tournament because we got another wacky tournament which is like the exact opposite of this uh let's talk a little bit about the bracket so cody schwab took it home in his uh last win under clg unfortunately but um was there anything else here that stuck out to you i know soonsei made his run i believe he got fifth year uh plop continued his his you know, pretty decent run at Genesis and ended up uh, making it to grand finals here and the looking, you know, relatively doable at the end. Uh, Edwin, was there anything that really stuck out to you in terms of major upset bracket? <laughs> yeah, I have a, uh, I have a sort of, there is one thing and I don't know how much to make a big deal of this, but I want to ask both of you is, uh, is Hunger Box toying with this food with, with Lod? <laughs> is this, is this a rival? Like, can we expect these sets to continuously go down to the wire every time just for hbox to win on land or no i i really can't tell steven what do you think um dude it might just be be a clutch diff might be a clutch gap you know (laughs) i don't know like i i think with matchups like peach puff and especially like i don't know for something like lots just so good at the matchup um for how unplayable it is yeah so this um, this is kind of like the the thing though right because it's like i watch this and i really watch this with an open mind 
And I am not a melee expert. I'm not a peach puff expert. I can only tell you what my eye saw, right? Maybe my eyes deceived me. What my eye saw is that, you know, a typical sequence of 10 interactions would go like, Lod would win an interaction eight or nine times, then HBox would get a back air. And this would continue over and <laughs> over again, and then HBox would win last dock. Um, so, yeah. I just don't God, understand, don't... like, what I'm watching. I guess, okay, I, just to be clear, I didn't watch the set, but, like, <laughs> I, I do... I've played Peach Puff a little bit, and I've watched it a bit, and I guess I don't know what you mean by winning interactions. Because, like, getting like, a I hit. Think... Like, like, making a read to get a hit based on, like, like l- literally earning a hit. Okay. Because so, I don't know. Whenever I play that matchup or think about that matchup, I feel like Peach actually trades quite well with Puff. Um, the issue is Puff should just never get hit. Like, if Puff gets hit, she she got outplayed 100% of the time. Like, if you get hit by Fox, I don't know. Maybe they, like, I've definitely just narrowed in the corner brainlessly and hit people. Like, it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. There's no rocket science. But, like, in Peach Puff, if you get hit as Puff, like, you fucked up somewhere. Yeah, I mostly um, catch H-Box, like, slowly drifting in toward a hitbox mm-hmm. that Lot throws out. And he gets hit by that, and that happens, like, six <laughs> times in a row. But he wins the game. So I, I don't really... I, I don't get it. Is it. Am I missing something here? Dude, maybe he's just throwing for content. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It is possible. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if he does it on land, though. On on net play, I swear on my... I swear to God, like, Xbox throws for content on net play. Well, I... Land though, yeah, I don't that's know. the thing, right? Is that you know maybe he doesn't throw for content on land because he he won the set, but he got as close as possible to throwing for content as he possibly could have and still won the set, right? You know this literally came down to a uh, I don't know if, if you you know Stephen you said you didn't watch uh, it was very close. It was literally last stock game five, big comeback made by Lod, um, or at least it felt like a big comeback considering the matchup. Um, and I think HBox comes down off the angel platform and just rests a lot. <laughs> like, oh it, it was just like, oh, it's over. Um, I was watching in the crowd with uh, SF, top 64 placer SF. And uh, <laughs> anytime uh, HBox was up in percent, we'd say, it's so over. It's so over. It's never been more over. And then Lod would go up in percent. We, uh, you know, got to throw, we're so back. We've never been so back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely. This uh, this interesting push and pull, and uh, you know we, we can't get an episode without talking about HBox, and um, you know, be it can HBox win a major, be it is HBox the best player in the world, uh, and now is yeah. HBox throwing stuff like this? You know, we can't get it rid of, and I just want to uh, put into the public consciousness the set at the next major they have, and of course, I am talking about uh, Coinbox. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm talking about the major, I'm talking about the week, the bi-weekly coin box. Oh, uh, they had a they had a set where HBox went down 2-0 to the Peach, and then um, was almost cajoled into going Puff again by Jackzilla, but ended up going Ness. <laughs> so it was a pretty quick 3-0. And uh, while watching, I was watching with Amber Sinister and Ambie and I. We were kind of predicting that he was going to mention about how he was being a good TO and running the bracket along, <laughs> which uh, he did. 
he also did make sure to mention that Armada is the goat peach and always will be, which is it had a, a lot of questions. Well, okay, so I had a lot of questions about this because uh, Ambie and I were talking about whether or not this was a slight reference to Lod's recent tweet about how he will be the goat peach eventually. <laughs> um, which, Dude. talking about the inner machinations of, of HBox's <laughs> speech is a different episode entirely. But but yeah, I guess uh, it, it, to answer your question, Edwin, um, I think Lod is a really incredible player. I think he plays this matchup really incredibly, and, and yet... When I watch stuff like this, I can't help but think, you know, maybe HBox has some reason, conscious or subconscious, as to why it is going so close, um, which is a shitty thing to say of a competitor, right? You know, if Lod wins, I don't want people to be flooded with saying, like, oh, yeah, HBox just, like, threw or, like, HBox wasn't trying. I don't think that that should mm-hmm. happen, but I, I am confused by all these sets. Um, one thing I will say is I believe this is the first time that Lod took him to game five on land. And, uh, you know, I think when he eventually beats him, uh, I just want to be clear. Like it's a, that's a legitimate win. I don't want any, you not hear him on land? talking about that shit. I, th- I think no, not on land. Uh, not in that summit. Has I it- believe, I think everything was three, one at the closest. Okay. Has Polish beat him on land? Polish, yeah. Polish yeah, beat Polish him uh, game dude, five, Smash World Tour, and then three owed him. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, let's talk about Polish. Polish, uh, Polish played HBox this tournament, and this has been no, a long oh. time coming for people who are in the know about Polish. Um, so Polish, as we mentioned, uh, was the first Peach to beat um, HBox and Peach Buff on land in forever, like literally years when, when they beat him at um, Smash World Tour east coast qualifiers uh that was like a super close game five set which then was followed by the smash world tour final set which was a not close 3-0 on polish's part uh then you know polish goes into the year um into 2022 one of the best players in the world top 10 easily uh debatably better than hbox in terms of just pure resume they play uh, I think it's eight versus nine seed at Genesis, and it is not particularly close. I think it's three one that looks pretty not doable from Polish's end. And ever since then, we have seen, uh, you know, the the real Polish fans know about Bluey, which is the uh, the fox that is built basically to destroy all puffs. And it's been a little bit since since Bluey actually had to play a fox in uh, or sorry a, a puff in bracket. Um, but Polish ended up getting to bust it out eventually. I think first they played Khalid at the local, which was a 3-0. Then they played Khalid right before HBox, which was a 3-0, and went into playing HBox, took game one, and and looked super close the entire time. Steven, as a Fox player, I want your opinion on uh, on what we saw here. I don't know if you got to see this set. I watched a little bit of it. Um, so first off, I'm the biggest Polish fan of all time. True. Uh, I hate Peach players. I think they all suck. <laughs> Except for Polish. Polish is the fucking goat. They outplayed me harder at Big House than like almost anyone's ever outplayed me in my life. Uh, so I'm a gigantic fan. And, I, and I'm a fan of like four players. So <laughs> Polish, they're 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 great. Um, I was talking to them a little bit before the set, actually. And they were talking about going Fox. Um, and... I don't know. I, I I told them that I thought that I had faith because one, I think they're just so great, but also I think, I think Fox puffs just kind of always doable. Like 
I don't know if 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 any top 100 Fox beat HBox, that's not an outrageous result. Um, if I beat Zane, that's an outrageous result. I don't beat Zane if we play a million sets. If I play a million sets versus HBox, I win. I win a few, you know. Um, so I was I basically told Polish that, and I didn't watch all of the set, but I did watch. Um, I think I watched the first two games fairly. Um, and I, I don't know. I I really like their Fox. Um, I will say that I've played all the good puffs. I think, and like, Hbox is just kind of a different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, beating beating Khalid or beating like uh, I don't know Two Saint is just yeah. a different level to beating Hbox. Um, but I think if Polish if Bluey gets a little bit better. They get a little bit more HBox experience from, you know, like ranked or whatever, or or just more tournaments. Then uh I have faith. I think Polish is the GOAT. Yeah. I have so much faith in them. Yeah, I believe they've beaten Polish or <laughs> they beat HBox uh online before. But I think so. So sure about how many times that's happened, or if it's like being in bracket versus on ranked. Um but I know that that's happened. And, and yeah, what you're talking about is, uh, is super true. Uh, just supreme confidence from the Fox, um, like just bursting out the gate, which you don't necessarily see all the time with these character switches that are like purely for, for specific matchups. Um, kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, what we saw with Leffen when Leffen busted out his Sheik and was just immediately one of the best Sheiks, um, at the matchup at least. And I think that, uh, Polish has a little bit to go before we put them in the same conversation, uh, in terms of Foxes versus Puff. You know, it's going to be hard to, to get in the conversation when like Moki and, and Cody are out there. Uh, but I honestly haven't, you know, I didn't see anything that makes me think that like, can't eventually beat hbox which um if you're talking about a player like polish that is a huge boon to their ability to make it far in bracket so i am super down for the era of uh of bluey because the first little you know uh bit i've got to see of their fox was i think uh main stage where they busted out game three um, up to O versus Nut, and it was just moving so quickly. I was like, "Come on, man, you can't do that." <laughs> um, so I'm I'm super excited for for what's coming from Polish's Fox, and and yeah, one one thing I want to say is, uh, you know, there's another Peach player who switched to Fox for the matchup who didn't win the first set. Dadwin, do you know who that was? <laughs> yeah, I, I I know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's no dope. <laughs> their first box puff set oh my god <laughs> edwin what do you think what do you think about what we saw about uh polish's fox yeah i think i think it's got potential i'm excited to see it in the future i'm also a little curious to see how it develops in other matchups as well if, if that's what mm-hmm. they plan to do or if they want to keep it just as a puff thing um one set from polish in this tournament that i, I recall watching a bit of a heartbreaker but a really exciting set thought it was pretty interesting was SJ versus Polish. I definitely want to see those two play again. That went super down the wire. They had some pretty good adaptations to each other throughout the set as well. The platform play between the two is especially really interesting. Hadn't really seen um, a Peach Falcon set like that in a while. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Polish moving forward. Um, I wonder how much the Fox will kind of fill in their gaps in terms of uh, matchups that they might not be extremely 
um, you know, up to up to their normal level in. Um, so I'm I'm super excited because I think they're an amazing player and seeing them go forward, something that I definitely want to see uh, return to form of uh, 2021 top 10 Polish. I'd be super down. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking about all of these things that happened in major upset, as I mentioned earlier, you know, at the top, this was Cody's tournament. This is a tournament where he had some people bring him to game five. I believe um, Hbox was a game five set. Uh, I know there was a big pop off there and uh, I think uh, both plop sets were game five. Yeah. So this is definitely a tournament that, that looked set up for Cody to win and something that he did win. And uh, it's cool because it opens up some questions in the future. Um, But I think the question that was probably opened up the biggest by his win was uh, what happened after. So of course I mentioned that this was his last win in a, um, in a CLG uniform. Uh, because shortly after this happened, actually, when I landed <laughs> during the flight that I took, uh, news broke about CLG changing part, um, I believe ownership and, uh, kind of disbanding in terms of their, uh, their teams. You know, uh, I think their league team went to NRG and, uh, everything else was kind of just left by the wayside. So we have a, another situation in Smash where, uh, we're kind of having some sponsor issues. Uh, shout out to anyone who came from our last episode where we had Magi on and talked about how cool it is that CLG's in Smash. <laughs> and uh, Edwin, I asked you last uh, episode two weeks ago, I said, who, what do you feel more confident in? Creator-backed esports companies like uh, Moist and, and uh, you know, I guess Moist Moguls. Um, or do you feel more confident in traditional esports companies? So I guess now I have to follow you up. Two weeks later, how do you feel? I feel pretty, feel pretty devastated. Honestly, I think, uh, I think obviously on an interpersonal level, I it's uh, it's really sad seeing someone who works very hard get another setback in his career, like the mm-hmm. the fortieth one at this point. But I think on, on another level, it is um, one of the things I said in that episode is that one is that I think that. Um, Esports teams have a little more experience in maneuvering around the the highs and lows, but you know, with stuff like a buyout and things like you know the CLG League team being bought as essentially a separate asset and everyone else getting uh, getting shut out, it does worry me a lot in terms of what's what's available for a small esport like us, right? So. I gotta say, yeah, my uh, my faith in a traditional esports organizations is is very low. And the and the one thing I, I would say with the the creator backed esports teams is that they seem to they seem to sort of treat it as more of like a like a branding exercise for mm-hmm. what they're associated with. And they 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 sort of understand that on the surface it's burning money. I mean, the literally like the moist trailer, and they they kind of lean into that a little bit. Because they're they're treating it as marketing for themselves, and I will say that the esports team developers, uh, I mean, clear. How do I put this? I think just some things. It's it's really tough to kind of connect these two, but but I think they're they're a little, I think they're related to this more than you might think. I just think so much of esports from the traditional like. competitive league angle in terms of like how that's run the ecosystem surrounding competitive leagues and the the teams and sponsors that run it i feel like it is so part unhealthily partnerships based like it's based on potential Mm -hmm. revenue that could come down the line i feel like it's not material i'll I'll say that like 
maybe you could say the same thing for a creator back team but at least a creator can point to things that like the part of being a creator and being an entertainer is immaterial in a sense right is that you're putting out yourself as a product and you're getting people to pay for wanting to see you in in different ways or wanting to support your work right whereas esports spawn it's they they don't have quite that direct parasocial relation or entertainment brand right they're supposed to be like an organization that's uh, supporting or sponsoring a group of players which is a which is also immaterial but you know in, in pro sports that's backed by something that's backed by a location or it's backed by a venue that that you own and it's mm-hmm. backed by broad and the ecosystem itself is backed by broadcasting rights which is like a whole other thing that that we would require a whole other show to dive into adequately but yeah, yeah it just uh just it, it sucks and it just kind of highlights a lot of existing problems in the esports industry. You know how mm-hmm. reliant it is on partnerships, how how people get thrown under the water so quickly for a quick buck here and there. And it just it just sucks. It's a it's a downer. I I think that this news is obviously it's not good news, right? This this is bad, and I understand that this is um, something that uh, especially after all that we've gone through recently is going to sour a lot of people and and may you know even affect people wanting to continue the relationship with smash further get into smash at all um you know i i think that smash is such a beautiful game but uh i understand that if people <laughs> yeah you don't want to to <laughs> you don't want to get interested in like a sinking ship so I, I i do hope that this doesn't really you know affect how how people view the game because it's still so beautiful but one thing i will say is that um this news did come in tandem with uh, two other recent signings that might lift up spirits a little bit. So, of course, I'm talking about, um, you know, Moist Moguls, who picked up Zane, and uh, and the other one, which is Amsa. Amsa is acquired by Golden Guardians, who uh, you know, had an open spot because of Zane. And uh, in addition to that, I do want to add that Golden Guardians also picked up homemade waffles uh, in terms of uh, content creator. I, I, you know, I don't really know what else he'll be doing for them, but I've already seen multiple videos on their end. So they're, I, you know, if you're talking about bigger esports organizations, they're obviously making a push and, um, you know, they are someone who we might feel a little more <laughs> like, uh, you know, good feelings towards about their backing, considering they're literally backed by one of the most popular NBA teams in the world. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely this interesting thing that you have to deal with. And, the only thing I'll say about this is, you know, point to something I did last time we had an episode um, where we talked about traditional esports versus creator esports. And I said, the one thing that creator run esports organizations have is that they actually have a business model that, that like can make money uh, out of their own, like they can make their own money basically, um, which is not something that um, like a league or like, or, or sorry, a CLG or like a TSM necessarily can do to the same extent, right? They, they've got huge brands and they of course partner with people. Um, if you're, 100 thieves or if you're liquid or if you're you know etc cetera, etc cetera. um they do merch collaborations which are huge that's obviously a big uh, point of revenue but um it's just simple when you talk about how creator run organizations have done it um i hired a pro gamer to secretly destroy my chat was <laughs> released in tandem with uh the announcement that zane was gonna be uh put to or put to moist he was gonna be signed to moist um that has 2.1 million views in under a week. That is a like you know video that can make revenue that can be funneled into this entire thing. Obviously, 
it's still something that's running in the red. <laughs> but like uh, the difference between people who have the ability to monetize this, have the ability to monetize other aspects, right? You know, if you have a critical or if you have a Ludwig, they're able to pump out content that uh, might not directly be related, but can kind of be seen as offsetting the cost in a way. Um, and yeah, I, I do think that having people who understand that this is not a money-making venture <laughs> might be weird, but that might be more long-term feasible than people who think that this is a money-making venture. Um, obviously, you know, relying and hoping that people who lose money are okay with continuing to lose money is, is a little scary, but it's uh, it's going to be an interesting future. And I, I'm looking forward to it, especially now that the best player in the world, or at least the you know number one ranked player, decided to leave a pretty big organization to join a, you know, an organization that I don't think is tested to that level. Right. So I, I'm interested to see what's going on in terms of the future. Maybe next episode, we're going to talk about how luminosity signed, you know, whoever uh, maybe spirits will be back up, but it, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely this, uh, this thing that is very funny to me, which is having waited for game be be something that we do, you know, pretty frequently is we kind of like get the ebb and flow of all of the smash tournaments or the smash like vibes. Uh, and I think we're like documenting the <laughs> like a very interesting time. Um, shout outs to all the episodes we did before Smash uh, World Tour and Panda Cup. <laughs> <laughs> the spots um, of Renaissance. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a very interesting, you know, look back if you watch any past episodes is that we you know, definitely feel differently about the game and its future than we do right now. And yeah, you know, the only thing I'll say about that is. If, if we felt that differently that quickly, I, I'm hoping that maybe there could be a turnaround in the near future. Uh, but yeah, Steven, I don't know if you have anything to add to this uh, in terms of how you feel about kind of the current landscape. Um, and if not, we can obviously move on because we've got a uh, dream hack we need to talk about. We've got smash camp. We've got questions for you. So yeah, if you have any thoughts on this, um, you know, I don't know if there's something um, you need to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mostly agree with everything you two said. Um, I do think one thing, I don't know, the thing that's nice about the creator backed like teams is I think like one, one, they know they're going to lose money. You know, like if CLG signs Cody, they're expecting a return on their investment. They're not, mm -hmm. they're not just like a charity. Mm -hmm. Ludwig, I think is kind of down to be a charity because he loves the game. The game is like what helped him kind of grow. And so he's down to like, throw a small part of his income to, to Zane and like Moki and shit, just because he, you know, he loves the game. So I think that's like kind of reassuring that like he, he knows what he's in for. Um, but the other thing, and you know, you also talked about this is like, uh, he's going to be a lot better at utilizing them for content than, mm -hmm. than a more traditional team. I don't know about you two, but like if, if a team like, you know, if C I don't know if CLG ever made content, which, which kind of proves my point. But if CLG made content of like Magi and Cody playing crew battles against each other, I didn't watch it. I didn't know about yeah. it. I didn't care about it. But like, did I watch and care about the, the Zane, uh, you know, Smurfing his Ludwig thing? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't get it out of my Twitter feed. So like, since Ludwig and people like that have such a good mind for like content creation, and since their platforms for content are so much bigger, like I don't subscribe to the CLG YouTube. Yeah. Um, 
like they're going to be able to utilize the players well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I guess just one other small thing for if anyone's like being a doomer, one this only really like this only matters to the tippity top, like. Mm-hmm. But but also even then like. Melee's had some rough days. Some re- like Melee's been on the brink of death so many times. Um and no one like no one plays it for the money. There's maybe 10 people who can make a living off this game like comfortably and maybe some of them can phone it, phone it in for a paycheck, but like if you're not top 10, you play this game cuz you love it. So like there's always going to be people playing the game even if you can't make a living. And also, like, in terms of making money, the game has been in a way, way, way worse spot than this. And it's bounced back. So, like, Melee's going to be fine. It's not going to die. Your local's still going to happen. Genesis is, I'm sure, still going to happen. It's it's going to be okay. So, that, that's what I want to say. And, you know, for all the talks about melee dying and you know the doomer takes that we've been seeing uh i had a pretty interesting past weekend because i went to a huge convention center um one that was decked out head to toe in sponsors and meet and greets and other things that felt very alien to me as a, as a smash person um, and that of course was dreamhack san diego i was lucky enough to to get to spend some time in socal and go to that one thing I'll say, they were going to play the Mario movie live. They canceled it. <gasps> Bullshit. They gave her partial tournament refund. zero out of ten. Dude, it was yeah. insane. They, they like there was we like literally could not get any seats just to watch it. And the standing, the crowd was so deep. Uh everyone wanted to see the Mario movie and they canceled it, but uh they did fortunately give a refund. But of course, we're not here to talk about the Mario movie. We're here to talk about Smash. And I think that Smash is Current Sandy with DreamHack and, and future with it is going to be a very interesting topic going forward. You know, as we talk about uh, Major Upset, we, we talked about how this is like a pretty small regional feeling tournament, but one that has to be this big major type thing. Um, DreamHack was a 200, you know, just under 200 person melee tournament. Did not really have um, a ton of top players. You know, we had... Uh, Amsa, Axe, Kadoran, Fiction, you know, four or five ish top, you know, 20, 15 players. Um, this is pretty much textbook regional, right? This is like the definition of what you consider regional. And, uh, the difference between major upset is that it was, <laughs> it was in a major city, it was in a huge convention center. Uh, the RLCS, like, winter championship was happening on the other end, like, literally had like a huge thing from the ceiling so you could watch it with like stadium seating. Uh, it was a pretty insane thing to go to, which I'm sure sounds normal for everyone else who's been to a dream pack, but this is my first. And yeah, I, I, I guess like we have to wonder about where we are with DreamHack and whether or not we have the ability to cast something like this off. We went into this tournament. Um, I don't believe they had UCF day one. I think there was a mishap with uh, not having more than one like they didn't have a backup. Uh, I think there was a corrupted memory card and, uh, you know, people talked about the cramp area. They talked about the, um, lack of setups. I think there was 16 setups for everything. And, uh, of course the big one is uh, a concert being played right next to all of top eight. <laughs> but, um, 
you know, we we might have to reconsider how we view DreamHack because in the era of tournaments getting smaller and smaller, we have a brand here that seemingly can survive. Um, but I guess we said that about other stuff. So, Edwin, I guess I have to ask you, how do you feel about DreamHack going forward? Yeah, I got to say, um, I, I've been thinking about this, right? Because this is it's a bit of a far cry from back in, in say, 2015 when Hungrybox won DreamHack Winter over Armada and it was seen like a, like a major, rightfully, at the time, right? I just think given where the scene is and where its trajectory is at the moment and just given the broader state of esports, I think DreamHack events... If you go to them, I'm sure they're very fun. I'm sure even for Smash, you get to watch some good matches. But I do think it's worth sort of understanding that we are a small part of their larger uh, contingency at this event. And I think given like the kind of super major experience that we've come to expect, where you know the Smash community is front and center, where you can expect melee setups and everything like that, I just think given the the current pool of, you know, TOs, players, people running events, whatnot, and the available resources we have. I think stuff like this, I I don't, I, I think if DreamHack is included in this, I, I'm not quite sure it will reach back to super major level prestige without a massive prize spot involved or, or something. I think I think for now, like sort of a, a good way to view an event like DreamHack maybe just view it as, you know, Smash and Olive Branch um, extended to the Smash community for part of a bigger event where they are not the central focus. So I think a regional status, yeah, that that sounds about right. It's it's almost kind of like like I for for some reason one of the other Dream Hacks that I remember from right before from a bit before the pandemic was Dream Hack Atlanta 2018. That was one that Absent Page won over S2J. It was kind of mm-hmm. a similar field, like. So there were a lot of regional talent there in, in Atlanta and Georgia, the Atlantic sure. South. At the top, you had a couple of top 15 to top 25 to top 30 players, but they were sort of densely packed together. I think I think stuff like that, stuff like this tournament will probably end up being a little bit more of the norm. Well, let me ask you this. DreamHack San Diego just happened. You are someone who presumably watched. <laughs> I don't know if you did. Uh, positive or negative? How did you feel? What are your feelings towards DreamHack San Diego itself as a melee tournament? As a spectator, I sure. fell asleep during top eight, and it was a bit of cool. a bummer not seeing most of the tournament streamed. But again, I <laughs> I understand melee is a small part of the DreamHack attendance. So, so you would say priority. slight negative? Yeah, right? I would say so. Um, Fat Goku, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> been to a DreamHack. I don't know if you have any I've experience not. with this type of thing. Um, I don't know if you got to see any of DreamHack. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i guess uh, what are your thoughts on something like this this is like a something that as much as anything in esports right now we can trust to continue and something that like pretty clearly does not view melee as a big part of uh of like what makes dreamhack dreamhack right you know they're obviously not going to like ban melee from having tournaments there that we're going to continue <laughs> to have tournaments um i think dreamhack dallas is literally like announced i don't know if there's a start gg page for it but i believe that's something going forward that's going to happen in like a few months from now but yeah what what do you feel as um you know a now former competitor about a tournament series like this um i think edwin put it a little bit nicer than me when he (laughs) when he said that melee was like a a, you know a small part of the bigger operation of dreamhack because i was going to use the word afterthought uh 
But I I think it's really hard for a tournament that doesn't prioritize melee, which is completely reasonable, by the way. I'm not saying DreamHack owes us anything. Yeah. Um, but I but I think it's hard, even if it's a tournament that is, you know, in this pop super populated city and at a big convention center with this big other convention. Like if we're an afterthought, it I don't know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth to be mm-hmm. like and I think we would need to be in a very desperate place as a community, an even more desperate place than we are now, to be like, all right, guys, uh DreamHack is gonna be the biggest turn, like it's gonna be one of our majors. We need everyone to go, like, you know, it's super important, you gotta go. Also, there's 16 tournament or there's 16 setups. It's not streamed until top eight, no UCF. Like that, I don't know. As a competitor, I would way rather go to a tournament like, you know, major upset or even Mm. like, I don't know, at least something that we have most of the room. Um, Like, I would rather call Smash Camp a major than DreamHack. uh, (laughs) Unless, like, there's some serious changes somewhere uh, Mm -hmm. in, in how the tournaments run. I yeah, it's tough to wonder, you know, how much of San Diego, DreamHack San Diego, is indicative of what's going to happen with future DreamHacks, because this was first time in San Diego. You know, they they've not run uh, one in San Diego, have not run one in SoCal since before the pandemic. I think there was like a small Anaheim one that was even by their standards pretty small. Um, and you know, this you have to wonder: is this growing pains? Is this having to deal with a first time um, iteration and, and trying to figure out where we stand there, or is it just kind of us falling by the wayside and not really being a fixture of what uh, DreamHack represents? And I don't have the answer to that, but, but, you know, as someone who went there, um, I want to say I had a good time. And, and I think that, you know, this tournament um, had a lot of vitriol thrown towards it, right? This was a tournament <laughs> that didn't stream it. Um, until top eight, you know, they streamed doubles the day before. Um, also, shout out to Major Upset Doubles. Sorry, we didn't get into that. Insane doubles. Hope to see more doubles of that caliber. Uh, it's cool to see that doubles isn't dead. Edwin, you giving a thousand dollars to HBox and Plup is very dumb. <laughs> if you give a thousand dollars to anyone else, it's not as dumb. But yeah, I love that that your first thought was giving it to them and not to them. That's what you're doing, dude. Yeah, you just we don't need to get faith. The only reason it's dumb. Is that he would have given it to me and Avery had I not retired? <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, now you got to come back. But um, sorry, that's an aside. There. Let me I'm get back retire. to DreamHack. So, so DreamHack as uh, my first DreamHack. So maybe this is like everyone. It was pretty awe inspiring in a way that is not entirely great at all times. I think you know I left the venue at a couple uh, times just because it was like loud and crowded and you know like uh lots of gamer lights <laughs> you know where like everything's low light for some reason there's all these like you know rgb stuff um but that being said you know i i was at the tournament i played friendlies with ambi um we did not have trouble finding a setup uh and some like random person just like walked over and started watching us play which is Ambi made a tweet about this, called it decidedly mid-level. I would say that's gracious to, to what was <laughs> happening. Uh, it was me who is not mid-level versus someone who is, you know, pretty good. Uh, and what was happening was like, 
not very close but uh we had someone who like just came up next to us and they're like i'm an ultimate fan this rocks you guys are insane <laughs> like they oh. were pogging at like every single thing we did um and i you know love that energy i i even though this is a smash person i don't know if you necessarily get that from a from a tournament that is like you know, kind of more into the smash scene to something like major upset. I would be so freaked out if someone sat next to me at major upset and was like, you're killing it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was this like really cool aspect of DreamHack, And, and like, you know, after that I played uh, doubles friendlies, which was like, I had no trouble finding setups to do that. Um, you know, when the term was happening, of course, that would probably be a lot harder thing to do, but I do kind of want to dispel some of the rumors of this being like a really horrible tournament. Um, and of course, you know, San Diego, beautiful place. I had an incredible time uh, walking around the city, going to restaurants and just like gazing at the the water. <laughs> but um, I guess where I stand with DreamHack is uh, this was n- by no means a success. This was not a successful tournament. This is a tournament where like literally there was just an apology made from the band because they played a set during Top 8 uh, right next to the stage. It's like literally... Uh, a live band playing and then <laughs> Brawlhalla who has like dubstep playing every single time a, a match ends and then in between it is top eight being played out. Um, but I, I still hold out hope for the future because this is a big brand like we've talked about and, you know, one that can go under, I guess, just like any other esports brand, but one that I believe will stick around and one that, you know, if they're willing to, continue to have fighting game tournaments um, as long as Jubali is still aligned with them and still, you know, willing to push for tournaments. Um, I think we try to make this, the, you know, the best possible thing it is. And uh, I hope that Dallas, which has had tournaments there before, uh, I hope that Atlanta, if that happens again, I hope that, you know, anything else that uh, is a returning tournament is able to, to kind of um, you know work with the tournament in in a way that maybe wasn't feasible this time around, um, because these tournaments are pretty important. Like if we didn't have DreamHack Rotterdam last year, I do think that like the European scene is at a loss in a in a way that like you know not having DreamHack San Diego probably wouldn't affect anything. Um, so I, I hope to continue to see these tournaments because I agree with you, Stephen. We're not desperate to the point where these need to be our majors. You know, this is not our next Genesis, but I am not sure if we're in a position where we can cast off everything. And uh, maybe it's not feasible to make these good tournaments. Maybe just like being in a convention center and having such a small part of it will always mean that they'll be bad. Um, And they'll always be like, maybe not worth the money, but I hope we figure that out because going forward, um, I don't think that DreamHack is going to be stopping anytime soon, at least this year. So I hope to see uh, Smash's tournament presence there, you know, be bettered in every way possible. Um, you mentioned Smash Camp. You mentioned Smash Camp might be more <laughs> of a major than uh, than a DreamHack tournament, and uh, that that's a very loaded statement. So let's get into Smash Camp. Smash Camp is coming up this past or this upcoming weekend. And uh, this is going to be, I believe this is the fourth iteration of the AZ Smash Camp and the um, fifth iteration overall, because there was one in Oregon last year. Who won that? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, someone really good at the game, really talented and mm-hmm. handsome. So I guess we'll never know. But um, 
let, let's talk about what this means, because I have been to two Smash camps. I went to both of them last year, had an amazing time at both. I'm very sad I can't go to this one. Um, shout outs to my cousin for throwing a bachelor party that I have to go to. <laughs> but uh, it has become this like uh, this tournament series that I want to attend everyone I can. If I'm around uh, and I have the means to do so, I am trying to go because it is such an amazing experience. And what it represents in, in Melee's tournament ecosystem is a very interesting, unique role, right? It's it's something that does not tend to really be something that people go for the tournament. It's more of the experience. I know that last Smash camp in Arizona, um, a ton of people went who didn't enter. Like, competitors went and uh, just didn't care to enter. I know, like, a ton of people made, like, they they went out of their way to, to go to this event. Um now, it's very interesting because what that means in terms of the tournament <laughs> has been kind of a hot button issue uh, for a couple of years now, basically since it, it started to exist. Um, so let's let's get into to what Smash Camp means and, and we'll kind of, you know, maybe we'll do a little preview of what's about to happen. But but first, I want to talk about what it means to the for the big rankings. <laughs> um steven you are a top 100 player you are someone who you know is obviously affected by any discourse around the rankings and uh edwin you and i are now people who run the rankings we yeah, formerly had yeah. ballots but uh my enemies yeah, true but uh it's, you know stuff has shifted because of kind of what we were talking about earlier um seen a shift and, and now that uh is that the onus is kind of onto us and it's kind of impossible to escape Smash Camp in terms of ranking discourse. So I guess let's just get into it. It doesn't have to be a full-fledged discussion, but but I want to hear what you think about, Steven, when people talk about Smash Camp and whether or not it, you know, quote unquote counts. What what goes through your head when, when you hear about that? Um, so I only went to one Arizona Smash Camp. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, Hugs was still an active player at the time, so maybe... <laughs> what 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 month are they in? Are they always in April? They had one at the end of September or like beginning of September yeah. at one point, but I believe they're kind of around April. Okay, I want to say I went in maybe 2018. Um, as I and I went purely as a competitor because I was very in the melee sauce at the time, and I nice. never at at that point went to majors like for fun. Um. My experience as a competitor was quite negative. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I have no ill will towards like the TOs or the tournament or anything. Um, cause, cause that's not what the tournament I think was going for. Obviously it's more for the experience. You're in the, you're in nature, like you're at camp, you're with your homies, you get drunk. Um, but as a competitor, uh, it, it was hard. It was really hard to play there and compete and to feel like it it felt good. Um, I remember the venue being like very, very, very warm. Probably the warmest venue I've ever been in. <laughs> um, and like, I don't know, it was super crowded. I don't know, just competing didn't feel good because I, I, felt, I felt hindered by the environment. Um, <laughs> Which is why I never really, I I never went back because, you know, I was a competitor and I was like, well, I feel like if I go there, I can't compete at, at a level that I think is adequate. Um, 
which is why I've always kind of been against Smash. Like, not even counting, like, alcohol or anything, because I didn't drink before the tournament ended. Um, so that's kind of why I've always been more on the fence of, like, I don't like Smash Camp from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I, and I remember thinking, if I ever go to one of these ever again, I'm not entering, or I'm going to, like, play Falco or some shit. Like, I'm not going to compete. Um, but that was also a very different landscape where hmm. we had a lot more majors. And also, that was only one Smash Camp. I don't know if the venue's gotten better or if it's changed or if they've fixed some of those issues. Um, so I do think, like, Smash Camp Newlands in Oregon, like, I, I had no issue competing there. I think it felt fine. Uh, the venue is fine. It didn't seem crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh so, so I don't know if any of those like comments still apply, but, but that's why I didn't like Smash Camp as a competitor. It is definitely, you know, when we talk about tournaments and what brings people to tournaments, it's always going to be the game, right? But, but like what brings people to specific tournaments time and time again, there's a bunch of different, more nebulous um, aspects to it. And I've said that like a, a great major um the venue shouldn't be the best thing to be in right like it's not, never the coolest thing to be in the venue at the tournaments that like are really really good and i don't think anything exemplifies that more than smash camp where i literally think that you could go to a tournament uh or you could go to smash camp and not go to the venue at all yeah. <laughs> and i don't think i would say that i would not say that for tournaments that i think have fun cities around them um like even you know i love genesis san jose is like super fun to be around with all the homies uh the shines that were in boston were so amazing I, I would never say like oh yeah don't go to the venue uh and and yet i found myself at uh both smash camps i went to kind of not really finding an exact reason to go to the venue unless i wanted to see friends or you know see if there's maybe any friendlies to, to seek out but other than that I, yeah I, I definitely think that there's no bigger gap between um you know <laughs> the attendee experience and the competitor experience than what we've seen at smash camp and because of that there's a lot of questions as to you know what that means in a kind of lawless wasteland in, in terms of what people count and don't count. Um, Edwin, you know, we, we've been doing this talk for a while. Uh, we've basically done it since Smash Camp existed. Uh, but uh, what do you think? Have, have, what's your opinion? On it? Has your opinion changed in the past couple of years in terms of, you know, how Smash Camp counts? Uh, honestly, no, not really. I, I tend to evaluate players' years by their head-to-heads and, like, sets, and I try to view it in terms of, like, like for I'll make special ex- exceptions for, like, like winning a major obviously stands on its own as an accomplishment that can boost your rank or whatever. But I will say, like, I think that this is something that sort of tends to get lost in, in the uh, in the discussion of this sort of thing. Like, Smash Camp, Camp is one tournament's uh, worth of results. So for some of the players whose ranking it could potentially impact or their ability to be ranked nationally, it's about like four to six sets, maybe, just like roughly speaking, right? When when we collect data for top hundred ballots, we're looking at like hundreds, if not if not more sets, right? Among players who are very active. So I think this this sort of this discussion on what counts and what doesn't count. It's almost like such a small proportion of what could end up making or breaking, making a player's years in the in the context of just so many other sets and and many other tournaments. So 
No, I, I don't really think my opinion on it has, has changed. The only thing I would say, and just from experience of watching Smash Camp and seeing the type of people who go to it and everything, is I think it becomes very obvious. Like, if they're... If someone is getting top eight at majors constantly and they get a 25th at Smash Camp or something, mm-hmm. this is context that there's context that clearly has to be applied, right? If fiction is, I'm just using, I, I don't know the exact set record off the top of my head. I'm just using this as a funny example. Fiction could hypothetically be like nine and two versus Souf for a ranking period. And if one of the wins comes at Smash Camp, Am I really going to look at it and be like, oh my god, I don't, uh, uh, Fiction has a Zoof loss. I, I don't know if he's top 15 anymore. No. That, <laughs> that's good. There is context that has to be applied to the set. And I think, in, in my opinion, a really good panelist, I can't speak for every panelist, just, just for myself and for the ones that I talk to, I think panelists are a little better at sorting out con- context uh, than mm-hmm. you think. But I think the way that they might view weigh things is differently is different from panelist to panelist but that's that's why we have a panel right to roughly you know determine how much we we weigh on these things so is smash camp going to make or break fiction or axes rank in a year probably not but it could be pretty big for for a lot of the players at the regional level who are in content who you know are trying are just attending a tournament and don't get a chance to travel much to compete against other other people people try the event it's just that there's also people who try at other events that tend to treat this one as a bit of a as a bit of a break, and I I think that's fine. Yeah. I think that's okay. I, I don't think anyone is really getting seriously punished for that. I truly think it's, mm-hmm. it's like like I understand why it's sort of an interesting discussion, and I understand why it gets highlighted the way it gets. But I my opinion on it hasn't really changed, and I I think it sort of has a disproportionate amount of hold over how most people see rankings and how tournaments affect rankings i mean i get it it is something where you know if you want to go to a tournament uh and you don't actually you know want to put all the time into uh, preparing and, and competing in a, in a, as you normally would um it's because like there's you know drinking and drugs going on mm-hmm. uh, I, I get like not wanting to to fall in, in your rankings because of that um i do think it's something similar that we saw to redemption rumble earlier this year or i guess technically last year um where it's good to have events where players can feel free to do whatever they want um and it's really hard to reckon that idea with the uh, idea that like (laughs) people at these that these events also probably are trying um and that like you know we we've ran into this interesting thing of of like well does axe not trying mean that the person who is trying shouldn't count for them. Um, and there's no real perfect system to go by this unless we want to decree tournaments that count and tournaments that don't count, which for years, the you know, SSBM rank and MPGR before it um, have not really found any interest in doing so. It's kind of like a everything counts and everything doesn't count type scenario because, uh, you know, you are you are free to take the data and, and weigh it yourself as a panelist. Um and you know what? I, I from from a player's perspective, I get that that is really broad, and uh, and might be scary for people, especially you know if you have someone who like, let's say, wants to go a new character and doesn't want to go to like locals and fear that their new character is going to harm their ranking. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I guess has my opinion changed on this? No, 
probably know you can go through all the other episodes we've had that we probably talked about this god we probably talked about the redemption rumble mm-hmm. you know you can find our other smash camp episodes we talk about the same thing um i do think there's maybe a feature where there is like a, a direct delineation between like this counts and this does not but where we're at right now i'm not sure if we have the uh the ability to do so and you know maybe this will be an event where this smash camp is uh it's going to be a little different than the ones before Smash Camp Oregon was the first one outside of Arizona. Uh, definitely had a different vibe than the Arizona ones. So I say that that's a tournament that probably, you know, should be fine with counting. Um, the Arizona one that started last year was like the first tournament a lot of people went to coming back from from events. Um, 2021 didn't have a ton of people traveling. It, it was a lot of like, you know, essential personnel to, to use a, you know, for lack of a better term. Um and I remember going to Smash Camp and a lot of people, that was their not only first term of the year, but that was their first tournament since COVID, right? You know, that was the first one back um, from Omicron. That was literally before Genesis. And because of that, it probably had some weight that uh, maybe a normal Smash <laughs> Camp wouldn't. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this one will be. Maybe this is a tournament where everyone just fucks off and we go, okay, you know what? Maybe this shouldn't count. Maybe it's literally not worth it to like get any of the data from it. Maybe there's nothing salvageable. Uh, and until that point, I'll probably say that whatever is salvageable is worth it, right? You know, if you have someone like, I don't know, CPU zero, someone who's really young, really good, doesn't travel a lot. Um, if he gets a win here over like fiction, I go, hey, great win for CPU zero. And when I rank fiction at the end of the year, I probably still put him top 15 without even caring about the, the loss. Um, it's hard to say, though, you know asking people to blindly trust in a big group of people who you don't know personally, all of them. I get that that's a hard thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with drawing back the curtain a little bit, I know that Ambi and I are trying to talk about, uh, you know, if there's any change that needs to be made, he's the data lead of, uh, of SSBM rank. So we're talking about, you know, do, do we need to make any decision on if stuff should count, stuff should not count. Like if there's any change to, to what we've done recently, and uh, I can't say for that right now, but in terms of uh, what we're looking at with Smash Camp, I'd say, yeah, you know, the, the top 100, the rules have to be made for all 100 people. It's not just the top 10. So when we talk about stuff like this, when we talk about attendance requirements, uh, when we talk about all this different type of stuff, it's a lot of top players who get to go to a lot of things who feel very strongly about it. Um, but it's not about just them. It's about the person who maybe goes three majors a year because they, that's all they can afford to. And uh, it's hard to kind of reckon these two very disparate groups. Um, and you get stuff like this. You get stuff like Smash Camp being something where people go and they drink and maybe aren't trying. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's for the best to just say it doesn't count and then Kadorin can, you know, <laughs> down a <laughs> down a couple uh, IPAs, <laughs> let loose. But uh, until we decide that, until, you know, I would need to see it necessitate that first, Uh, because I still think it's important to have tournaments that count because there's so many players out there who need it. You know, the idea of like someone like Souf, like we talked about, um, you know, if you beat someone, I think it should count. And uh, if you lose to someone, I'm probably a little more willing to look at the reasons behind that. 
yeah like a fiction a little kinder to that yeah like a fiction uh let's say big time rush defeats fiction for 33rd place at this i don't think i'm putting fiction outside the top 20 suddenly right yeah i'm not gonna suddenly (laughs) look at fiction's positive records and strong major performances and go oh but he lost a big time rush at smash amp like no (laughs) like there is clearly context there is a outlier and there's context to be applied that any panelist you know would do their i would hope Mm -hmm. would do their due diligence on and understand and that and you know if big time rush if that would be awesome if i i think defeating fiction any state would be incredible but uh if you know if big time rush goes to a bunch of majors and gets 193rd at all of them and the sole accomplishment is defeating <laughs> is defeating fiction at smash game you know maybe i look at the, the big time rush and i go okay i i think you know that's a pretty cool accomplishment i don't really know how indicative that is of his year but mm-hmm. Bert, but if big time rush goes to other events and does pretty well maybe not beating fiction again but does pretty well then yeah i think i i, I don't hold that loss or that set against hypothetical fiction but I don't do I think it's fair to just totally dismiss it on the account of the player who won and tried. No, not not in enti- not as a blanket case, you know? No, I think like especially with stats and like rankings and mm. math and numbers, there's this desire to have these blanket rules for everyone because math is so objective. Like three times three is always nine, you know? There's no ambiguity or nuance to three times three. But when it comes to like ranking a tournament like Smash Camp, are we going to say, or, or, or I'll use Redemption Rumble because it already happened. Like, yeah. are we going to say that Aklo versus Kadoran didn't count because Zane got drunk? Like that? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> maybe we look at Zane versus Magi slightly different. I don't know how drunk he was, but you know, maybe we look at that set a little bit differently when we rank things. But but Kadoran versus Aklo were like, all right, well, they were both trying. It does, it, yeah, it does it, seem it, unfair. It, it's hard to, I don't know, it, it's kind of an unsatisfying answer to be like, all right, well, we are talking about stats and numbers, but like we need some nuance too. Like yeah. these numbers have context. We can't just, I, I think saying, I think saying all Smash Camp doesn't matter or all of it matters are both awful you know yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's gonna be tough you know forever and and you look at the other game right ultimate they are very clear about what counts and about what level it counts to and you know they don't even have a panel in terms of uh ranking they they use an algorithm and uh i i mean i'm not as clued in to to that scene to to say but i remember there definitely being some issues there was like a tournament that meister won it was like his breakout performance it was combo breaker you know pretty established brand and it just didn't count like it wasn't big enough to count um and you know leffen had his whole thing where he beat mr r at dreamhack rotterdam i believe it was um and it wasn't big enough to count (laughs) and and he beat tweak at summit but in order to deal with the algorithm um invitationals had a a like uh, a lesser um like a equation for them uh they they didn't mean a set at an invitational didn't mean as much necessarily because it was not an open record term that everyone could go to uh and you know leffen flipped shit about not being top 50 that one year and you know, honestly probably rightfully so so it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation and uh 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that what we can only hope for is that uh, whatever happens at Smash Camp and and you know whatever tournaments people want to go through, um, I, I hope that people get to do what they want to do, right? I, I hope that if they want to get drunk and go, uh, you know, Doctor Mario, I hope that they are able to do that. And if they want to like go to a tournament and try to get some wins and try to you know crawl their way to like the ninety third spot. I hope that that path is available for them. And, uh, you know, it, unless something changes in the future, it seems like that'll be the way. Um, we've got a pretty cool group of, play- of players going here. So I don't know if you have any opinions on, you know, what's going to happen here or have any thoughts on who might be trying. But I think what we're going to end up seeing, regardless of, you know, whether or not people are going to count it, is going to be a pretty sick turn. We've got Polish. We've got Axe, Salt, Fiction, Spark. Uh, we've got a lot of other players going there, but even that just right there sounds super fun. And um, I guess my question to you, what do you think we're going to see? Like uh, Polish Fox, Axe, Falco, I mean, Salt, her Falco is amazing. Uh, we usually do like a, a bigger prediction type thing for, for big major tournaments. Um, I would not say this falls in the same category, <laughs> but uh, if if real quickly, you know, maybe we go around. I'm going to will this into existence. I don't know if it's really the most. Um, I don't know if it's got the the best path to happening, but I'm going to say Bluey wins this event. After all we've talked about them, <laughs> I think Polish's Fox is going to defeat Spark in Grand Finals. I think that's what's going to happen. What do you What do you think about that, Edwin? Uh yeah, I could see that happening. Um, yeah, it's kind of tough to argue with. It's, it's I can see <laughs> the image right there. But, you know, just just to give a different answer, I'm going to say that Spark wins this event. This Ooh, okay. Like a, we got second. I think Spark will defeat... <laughs> okay, you know what? Why not? I'm going to go all in on this. I think Spark will defeat Rocket in Grand Final. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to say that Axe goes Young Link or something. I think Fiction will DQ. Josh, I'm going to say DQs. I think Polish goes full Fox and just has some highs, has some lows. I think Meds will... Uh, Meds is kind of tough. So what does that leave? Like Spark? Meds, Meds. Meds is uh, digital right now, right? Okay, yeah. All right. Let's say training period, so it doesn't do as well. Azul might be tough. I think Azul is also in a transition period. Azul's um, has a Marth he's working on. Yeah, he's he's had that Marth for a while, but he's been playing him a lot more. Um, hmm. You know what? No, I said it, so I may as well stick with it. I'm going to say that uh, Grand Finals is Spark and Rocket. Why not? Okay, sick. Steven, what do you think? Uh, so Polish is winning the event. Um, nice. They're the GOAT. Uh, if if Axe is trying, then Polish is going to beat Axe and Grands. Nice. Uh, if Axe is not trying, that means Shep will get to Grands. Uh, and that, that one's going to be Shep. Shep Polish, that's close because they're both the goats, kinda. Uh, and it's just gonna depend on the day. Um, but like, it's gonna go to set two for sure. 
uh, Shep Polish, and uh, Shep could win. Sounds like but a this only if Vax doesn't try. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> Sounds Vax like a tries, Polish wins one hundred percent. Uh, I, I'm excited to watch it. I think this is a fun group of players, and uh, you know, even if, if people are going secondaries or, or drinking or whatever, I honestly still think it's pretty fun. So I, I'm looking forward to this. Um, and I guess we will have to just wait and see what happens from uh, from Smash Game 2023. Uh, <laughs> Did he's doing pretty well in our predictions? He's he's averaging out to to like a second place here. Um. Fat Goku, you've been the show before. You understand right. how this works. We've got some questions for you, but um, we will. Uh, there might there might be a new surprise twist to it. We'll we'll get to that when we when we get to it though. So oh, uh, I'm going to ask you the first question. This is from our uh, from our Patreon. This is from Xy. So <laughs> so he is bringing a little bit of a uh, European flair. Um, his question is: Are you retiring the Goku shirt? Yes. Uh, I I don't know. I wear them if I like. Go to the grocery store because you know they're shirts. Um, but if I like if I go to Genesis, like I'm not gonna wear them. Uh, I don't know. It, that's just my. I also I think I'll keep the tag forever, even if I do come back someday, which I genuinely I think is possible. Um, but shirts are tired. Shirts done. Wow the uh, the the new palette uh, the like the palette swap version of of you is the um, what's it's the uh, <laughs> BTS hoodie right the yeah, pink yeah, BTS yeah. hoodie that <laughs> the palette swap I like that it's like yeah like the alternate costume that you unlock <laughs> it's like you know I'm retiring my number but the number is mm. a Goku shirt and then you, you might come back wearing a different number <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> hey man it's all good yeah Jordan wore forty five for a little bit. Eddie, you. It was didn't last. Um, Edwin, I think we've got another question, right? Yeah, this one is from Zidrio, All Star Question Asker. Uh, how do you think the region, the Pacific Northwest? How do you think it might change because of Amsa and Plut being there, if at all? Um, very little. <laughs> uh, so Plup went to one Oregon tournament. Uh, or he went to two. He went to a six-person local, uh, meet everyone, and then he went to a like bigger, like hundred-ish person monthly that I was at. He got the top sixteen and left. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think Plup is really gonna change the scene very much. Um, Oms, uh, Oms is a little bit of a different story. I do think he's he's willing to go to like those kind of tournaments, and I don't think Oms would DQ if he did. Uh, I know he went to Daddy's Den, right? Which yeah. is kind of a similar vibe to the term I was just talking about, except in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I don't know. I, I think it's hard for him to make like a big change to the scene without like actively going to locals, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think he's going to do. I, or I don't know if he has been doing. Um if he does, then I don't know. BC will get really good against Yoshi. But yeah, I, I don't see a ton of big changes in the scene from them. Yeah, you know, interesting to see if that continues, especially with. Uh, I, you know, I, I wonder how long Ops is going to be able to be in BC. But um, we've got a uh, we've got another question here, and it's going to take a little bit of a setup. So um, 
as you know, last episode, you were, uh, you know, we prepped for you to be on. I, I fucked up. I'll bet to it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we had a, uh, we had a backup guest. We had Madra. She was great. She was amazing. Um, she, uh, was not able to stick around for the entire episode, which is fine. I understand. Oh. This, is a, this is a last minute thing. So she came onto the show and did have to leave before we were able to ask her questions. And uh, in doing so, we created what we believe to be a bit of a new recurring segment, which is uh, what would Magi say? Yo, I'm going to be the cult. <laughs> I think that you are going to kill this, which is why, uh, you know, one of the reasons why you're going to do so amazing here. Uh, we had the questions that were asked for Magi that were prepped. Um, we just asked each other what we thought she would answer. And uh, honestly, Edwin, I think you were you were very like dismissive of her of her palate. I remember that being weird. You, you said that oh, she's a choice. Yeah. I, what was, what you said she say? loves she ketchup and craft mac and cheese. That's wait, what'd you say? Wheat? I said, uh, what I say? Ramen. <laughs> Maybe not very, oh. not, yeah, not a no, big difference. Ballpark. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to hear from you. Someone who ostensibly knows more about her than we do. Um, so we opened up to the patrons. We we asked, you know, what questions do you want to ask Fakoku? And then we also asked, you know, what do you want Fakoku to ask for or answer for Magi? And this, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a tough one. So I'm going to, to ask this question, you know, hey, we're all friends here. We can all join in and we can try to answer best. What would Magi say? So this is from Louise. And she asks, what is uh, your favorite band of eyeliner? And uh, so... So this is going to be what, what? What do you believe to be Magi's favorite brand for eyeliner? There's a couple I can't big ones. A single one. Well, like you can, you can like go through. Like, what about Maybelline? Right? You know that one. I've never. Maybe it's Maybelline. That's like a big. I dude, if I could list literally one eyeliner company, I would just make up a name. <laughs> You guys go for dude. I dude, this this you is way go. too hard. I, I don't know what you think. I think there's a. I think there's a one. I think she would say that her favorite. Uh, it, it would be someone's name. Like Charlotte. Charlotte. That's my. That's my guess. I think that both of you like could know. Like these are big brands. Okay, you know when you walk into like a CVS. <laughs> Like you would see these brands there, like as Yo, you, you walk. Well, I, okay. okay, the thing is, if I see eyeliner. I I'm like oh, that's not what I'm here for at True. all. And I look okay. away. Okay, Edwin, Edwin, what's up? You're checking your phone. What's going on? Okay, so I looked up eyeliner brands after saying that, and there, this is the list that I found. Okay, there's something with Charlotte. Okay, yes, let me hear it. Char- Charlotte Tilbury Rock and Coal Eyeliner. That's not Magi. I don't know. I don't know what. Dude, it is. I've n- <laughs> what? Okay, tell read that to me again. Charlotte, what? Charlotte Tilbury Rock and Coal Eyeliner. I I don't know, man. It's like uh, <laughs> what I think you're doing here. Rock and Coal. Okay, this is a uh, what I think's going on here is you're like, dude. I told you there was like a melee player with like insert random tag here. It's like, yeah, sure. I'm sure this exists. Okay, ready? Here's my what I'm gonna say. I worked at a store that had eyeliner. Mm-hmm. I think I could probably remember a few of the brands. Um, I'm going to say what I think that Magi does is she is very smart. She's, uh, you know, like most gamers are. She's trying to optimize 
Uh, I don't know if she's going for the big bucks for the eyeliner. This is maybe something that doesn't stand out a ton in terms of other uh, makeup. So I, I think she might go for the the ELF, the Wet and Wild, maybe. You know, these these kind of cheaper brands. And then, you know, she might do all the money she saved from that. She gets a a very uh, a mascara that pops, a very expensive mascara. I think it might be from Fenty, Rihanna's brand. <laughs> I think she might have Fenty <laughs> mascara because she saves all the money from getting the uh, the wet and wild eyeliner. Now, I believe last time we had an episode, we we, we talked about uh, makeup as well. Didn't seem like either of us knew a lot of what we were talking about. So sound off in the, the comments or I don't know. On, I was going to say on Twitter. No one tweets about this show. <laughs> Tell us in the patron chat probably is how you guys are going to do it. Um, <laughs> Tell us uh, if we're right or if we're wrong. And uh, we hope one day to have Magi back on and we can follow up with all these questions. Get, get the real answers, see how we fared. Um, <laughs> I think it's a, a Kat Von D eyeliner angle. Um, hmm. I really soul search for that one. Okay. I think I've seen her apply eyeliner before. And it's like, not the pencil ones, but like the brushy ones, you know? Mm. So that's my... Um, Things going to be a little more expensive then? Well, yeah, yeah, she'll she'll splurge on eyeliner for sure. Okay, I guess we'll bit. we'll have to wait. We'll have to have her back on, and we'll <laughs> and the entire episode will just be us going through all the questions and be like, okay, so we said this, you know, how how do we do? <laughs> um, now the one thing that we didn't uh, wait, we did do this. I think we also did what will Magi say for our uh, our our end segment, which um, of course is uh, unnamed but uh, but uh, known to the fans as touching grass. So, Stephen, you've been on the show before. This is where we talk about something that's going on in our lives that is not Smash related. You know, we are uh, we are multifaceted human beings of a lot that is going on outside of Smash. And uh, as you are retiring, maybe that's that's uh, even doubly true for you. But um, I'm going to give you guys time to think. I'm going to talk about something that uh, I, I've been doing recently. Um, I just went on, on, I guess, vacation. I don't know. I went on a trip to the West Coast. I did a major upset. I, I spent a couple of days in Portland. That was super fun. I got to spend some time with uh, Ambi. Ambi is in SoCal and uh, got to spend some time with him before we went to San Diego for DreamHack. I've had a wonderful time. And during that time, one of the things I did most was I listened to a new album from the Asheville, North Carolina band Wednesday, a band that I... Um, put out like one of my favorite songs of the year last year, a band that their guitarist put out like literally my second favorite album of the year. Uh, the album that for the viewers uh, is currently on my shelf um, is an album called Rat Saw God. I think it's amazing. I felt a lot of good feelings towards the singles going into this, but literally every single song has spoken to me. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of like crunchy guitars. It's a little grungy. It's a little like, got some country twang to it it is just this this like really beautiful album talking about um you know kind of like the stereotypical southern-esque town there's there's lots of like really great lyrics that that paint pictures of like kind of any town usa um and i wish i could say that's my thing for touching grass but as much as i maybe wouldn't like to admit it that's not the thing that's been biggest in my life since we had a last episode um i went to oregon the state where weed is legal and I traveled to California, a state where weed is legal. And at both of these uh, occurrences, I was hanging out with uh, with SF, our intern. Maybe is it, is it... be be careful about what you're you're gonna say. This can't 
This can't implicate uh, melee stats. <laughs> we had a lot of weed. We got high. <laughs> Danny kept getting high, and and he would. It didn't matter like what I did. We got back to the hotel or to the to the you know wherever we were staying. He would just pop an edible, and I was like, "Fuck, I'm not gonna like hang out with him while he's high, and I'm not." So every time I joined him, and uh, it wasn't a ton, but it was like you know more than <laughs> I've done recently. Uh, and I had a great time. I had a wonderful time. And one of the things that we did is we watched a bunch of YouTube videos, watched a bunch of Bluey. Uh, mm. But what I really hit on was the end of the night, we would put on a video and it would be a long form POV train video. And we would turn off all the lights and we would just sit in the <laughs> hotel or, the, or you know whatever, wherever we were staying. We would just watch the train go through, you know, uh, Norway or Austria or whatever. And uh, I have to admit, vibes were immaculate. The vibes were so immaculate that we got a noise complaint and someone knocked on our door at the hotel we were staying at. By the way, we shouldn't have got it. It was next door. It was a noise complaint. But it would have ruined any other vibes. But the vibes were so good that we kind of soldiered on. So, um, you know, it's juvenile to admit that my thing this this episode is weed, possibly. But I, I, I have to admit it. Because uh, if I said any other example, any other tidbit, it would be false. <laughs> Edwin Budding, how about yourself? What's up? I said you touched grass. True, I did. With your mouth. <laughs> yeah, true. Edwin Budding, what do you think? Uh, last what, what about weekend, yourself? I went to Anime Boston to check out a friend's panel. Um, he was just uh, he was doing a panel on the history of Kyoto Animation, or Kyoto Animation Studio, the, the people who made Clannad and a silent voice and uh i went to animated boston for a day just to see his panel I, my two friends did it so i went to see both of them their panel hung out in anime boston and um it was pretty fun i'm not super into anime or, or uh stuff like that but i have a lot of friends who are really into it and uh, i always like hearing their perspective on things and hearing about stuff that they're watching and everything and, and i will say i i've gone to anime boston like a few times as someone who doesn't really watch anime that much and i have to say the vibes there are really good it's just kind of fun i think there's something special about going somewhere where the there's still a lot of earnestness in terms of what people like and their like upfrontness with what they like like people dressed up as different characters uh you know acting as them or whatever maybe being a little silly in public but there's a level of sincerity that i, I can't really dock and I don't really, uh, I've never gotten that vibe from going to PAX, like PAX East. PAX, I feel like, is so easy to be cynical about or to kind of see as a cash grab or or to be kind of miserable about. But something about Anime Boston, uh, just uh, the pure honesty of which people just, you know, loved this cultural niche, wanted to talk about it with other people or whatever, or, you know, pay tribute to their favorite shows. It, it was cool and it was fun. It was fun. Uh, tuning into my friend's panel and we got to have burritos in the middle of the day from this really uh, great place in Boston. Uh, the name I, I kind of forget right now, but it was great. I had a, had a fun weekend. Other than that, I've just been watching a, a ton of Survivor. Like I, I've lately gotten into Survivor, so I've just been watching it nonstop. I got about, I finished, I started with season 41 for some reason. I don't know why that was randomly the season I, I started with. And then from that, I watched the first season, and now I'm in the beginning of the second season. 
Yeah. <laughs> you watched 41, then 1, then 40, then 2. <laughs> yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you're going to yeah. meet right at the middle. That's cool. I was uh, I was I was expecting you to say Love is Blind because I think there's a new season of that out. Yeah, no, I feel I've like you said Love also. is Blind. Okay, yeah, well, I'm, I'm watching <laughs> cool. that as well. Okay. Well, now that you mentioned it, you are legally not allowed to mention it on a future episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Stephen, you know, uh, your options, uh, your, your like not your options, your uh, the other people around you talking about weed and anime. <laughs> Um, i don't know if uh <laughs> yeah i can't i'm just not interesting enough so um so at least like very recently in april i made it a goal to try to walk ten thousand steps every day nice which is like i don't know it's like an hour and a half of walking which isn't crazy but it's also like for sedentary gamer it's a lot um so that that's actually been really satisfying i don't know like it, some days it's hard because it's raining mm. and I don't want to walk, but like, I don't know. I have a goal and I'm just, I keep on doing it and hopefully I, I keep it up. Um, other than that, since I retired quite recently, uh, I went from professional smash player. So, but like unemployed to just regular unemployed, mm. um, so I've been thinking a lot about what I want to do just like with my life. Uh, and I think I want to try to get like a restaurant job. So I am very, very passionate about cooking. And I think cooking's like actually the coolest thing right now. Dude, it, it reminds me of Melee where there's just like <laughs> oh so much God. mastery. No, okay. But like, no, no, no. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Like, Dude, when I was in New York for Redemption Rumble, I got Utopia bagels. And I thought about it today. And it's like, I would have to dedicate my life to make bagels better than them. And I think that's so cool that they're so good at making bagels. Um, so I don't know. I'm like really passionate about that like pursuit of mastery. Oh, that makes um, sense. And like, and I lost that for Melee a while ago, but like. Mm. I don't know. I love cooking and I love thinking about food and I love eating delicious food and I love cooking for people. Um, so I've also just been trying to like make myself presentable. I bought like a button up shirt and some, and some uh, slacks to like interview in. Got to get a haircut no. soon. That's what we love. Going to make a resume. So, so yeah, I'm going to try to start working my way towards being a, in a normie with a job nice dude let's go that's so sick um who's the mango of of the culinary world oh god <laughs> marco pure white mm, is that okay. guy dude he he'll like he'll cook on like television and he'll explain what he's doing but because like he's so intuitive like his explanations are wrong which reminds me of mango he'll be like oh yeah we're gonna cook the acidity out of the onion that's like no that's not that's not what's happening like you're not cooking the acidity out so so that's that's my that's my mango dude let's go i'm very excited for the future of fat goku um you know if, if you ever open a uh, a bagel shop i'll make sure to, to make my way <laughs> dude, and, no, uh, bagels are way too hard to make okay one make- day you'll get there i believe Make easy do shit. you uh do you like making pizzas? I love making pizzas. Uh I've actually never made pizza. 
I it's fun, dude. It's so sad. Like three years ago for Christmas, I asked for a pizza peel and a pizza stone, and I just I lost the pizza stone. I don't know where it is. I never made pizza with it once. I feel bad. Damn. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe someday. I really like making like steaks and soups. Um, I made tandoori chicken for Spark and my friend Elise and Cody when they were all here for Major Upset. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Cooking. I think cooking's so cool. I want to be good. Let's go. That is uh, that is super sick, and I, I will plus one walking, dude. Uh, Ten thousand steps is definitely something where it like passes the threshold of you know you need to actively be thinking about it to do it. But but it's it's a great goal, and uh, one of the things I love most about traveling, uh, oddly enough, is just walking around. You know, when the when the pandemic hit, and I thought about all the things I couldn't do, I had a lot of really good memories of going to a tournament or going like you know being housed like a day after, you know, waiting around um, and just walking around a place I'd never been before and super, super amazing. So I, I think you, uh, you've got a, got a really wonderful um, touching grass moment there. One that you, you ripped from the jaws of a lame ass (laughs) uh, (laughs) weed and anime um, (laughs) moments. So I, I am very happy that you, had something so cool that it raised the entire floor just by pure averaging out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I hope to, uh, you know what? I, I hope to, to see some of this more. Um, would you ever like tweet your journey or anything like that? Um, like, like for walking or uh, I was thinking just food. Walk- <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, if I like, yeah, no, I, I mean, if I have positive things to tweet, I will. Which is another really nice thing about... Oh, sorry, what was that? I want to see some pictures. Dude. Yeah, maybe I'll start... I don't know. I'm really bad at taking pictures. But, um, (laughs) but dude, ask Spark about my cooking. Ask him about my steak. And ask him about my chicken. I will. Um, I'll make sure to do that. Um, Speaking of your Twitter, if people want to follow you on anything, where can they do so? Dude, don't follow me on Twitter. I don't... It's there might, be food, there but might like, be food picks. <laughs> I don't know. To be, I don't know. Now that I'm retired, it's so nice because I don't have to like tweet for engagement anymore. I don't give mm. a fuck. If I tweet, they get 10 likes. That's fine. So I could just tweet like what I think is funny or makes me happy. So I don't have to care about the numbers. So yeah. Um, if, if you want to see like one tweet a month of me just talking about food or walking or like not melee discourse. Fuck that shit. That shit sucks. But uh, yeah, bad Goku sixty four is my Twitter. You want to follow me? Perfect. <laughs> uh, you know what? Beautiful man. A man who is free, free from the clutches of having to be a, a melee player now can tweet whatever they want. Dude, Very I'm, happy to see that. I'm so happy, and I'm just I haven't found a job yet, and I just I hope. I'm half this happy once I become a working man. Because <laughs> uh, I just hope I can enjoy it. I believe. Um, and, and in terms of us, yeah, if you want to follow what we have going on, um, our Twitter is uh, twitter.com slash melee stats pod. We are obviously going to uh, tweet out results of local tournaments and um, tweet out tournaments that are coming up. 
you can find more of our stuff on MeleeStats.co. That is going to be uh, links to our articles, such as Monday Morning Marth and Wednesday Melee. If you want to watch these episodes live, they're on Twitch.tv slash MeleeStats, and they go up afterwards on uh, our YouTube channel, Melee Stats Archive. While you're over there, you can check out our main Melee Stats channel for our long-form content. And uh, if you love everything you, we do and you just want to support us in any way you can, patreon.com slash Melee Stats. Steven, you've been a wonderful guest. You know what? You uh, you made up for the wait. It's been, a, it's been a little bit of a wait, but i uh, very happy to have you on. I thought this was a very fun episode. And, uh, you know, I think you made up for everything. Dude, it was so, a blast. Thank you thank so much you. for I didn't think you're going to reinvite me because I retired. And I was like, <laughs> so like when I when I had to uh, bail on the last episode, I was a little sad. So thank you so much for reinviting me. It was fun. That's great. Having yeah, you right. Well, you're never making it back again. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But uh, but I, no, I, I appreciate you being on. And I appreciate everyone for watching. And we will be back um, probably in about two weeks to talk about uh, what happened at Smash Camp and look forward to what is going to happen in the future. So we will see you all of that. Peace. See you guys. Bye.